Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Vinyl Countdown, the podcast where I, Jeremy Levine, break down my favorite vinyl releases from cover to cover and everything in between. On this week's episode, I am diving into the record that initially started my love for Canadian pop punkers. Canadian pop punkers, Pup, and their second album, The Dream Is Over. Uh, Now, of course, if you listen to the show and, you know, I've talked about on numerous episodes, uh, Morbid Stuff that came out last year was my album of the year, and uh, it, it was just a wonderful album from start to finish, and this album is no different. It is incredible, and had I heard it when it came out in 2016, uh, probably would have... It would it would have probably been my my album of the year from that year too. But um, so yeah, it was uh, released in uh, May uh, May twenty seventh of twenty sixteen, and um, you know the band I have written here. You know the band toured for over a year and a year after their first album, playing two hundred and fifty plus shows with a catalog that still consisted only of songs from their first self titled album, which is it's okay. There's some some standout tracks, some that are kind of forgettable. Uh, a mixed bag, but uh, for me, you know, when I first heard about Pup, I downloaded both albums, and this is the album that was like, holy shit, this is this is the one. The first album was like, yeah, it's good. I can see where they're going, but uh, The Dream Is Over was, was great. Uh, but anyway, so when the time came to record a new album, uh, the, uh, the group was faced with a pretty big obstacle, because uh, Stefan Babcock, the lead singer, well, he was hemorrhaging his vocal cords, which is not good. Now, uh, as outlined in a noisy article from 2016, on the first day of tour opening for Modern Baseball, Babcock learned that a cyst had developed on his vocal cords, which ended up hemorrhaging, like I said. Uh, By doctor's orders, the band was forced to drop off the tour a few days early. The doctor not only advised Babcock to drop off the tour, but to quit music altogether. Now, upon handing him the color photos... Uh, of a set of vocal cords torn up and raw from overuse, Babcock's, Babcock's doctor revealed that his rock and roll aspirations may have been jeopardized, saying, quote, the dream is over. And this provided the inspiration for the title, for the album and its title, as explained by Noisy. Once again, Babcock had a choice. He could heed this medical advice and close the book on Pup forever, or he could throw caution to the wind and get back in the van. Anyone who's ever seen him on stage can probably guess which option he picked. Uh, Babcock is someone who treats his body with reckless abandon, a man who routinely launches himself off whatever high platform he can find with complete disregard for what might be waiting below. Uh, (laughs) So he says, I have in my possession a photo someone took of him jumping off an amp clear over my six-foot-tall body with a good two feet to spare. So unsurprisingly, Babcock told the doctor to fuck off. Not literally, as his Canadian-bred manners make him extremely polite, but the title of Pup's new album is his own middle finger of sorts. And there it is, printed defiantly in the bottom corner of the record, The Dream Is Over. So, uh, to that point, I guess to add on to that, um, I'm just coming off of seeing them live for the first time ever, and um, I saw them Friday night in Houston, and today is Tuesday, so it's still relatively fresh, the... uh, the concert was amazing. I got to take Spencer, who his favorite band right now is Pup. And so that's his first show ever. And he was super excited. He had a great time. Um, 
one really cool thing. So the Drew Thompson Foundation opened for them, and I had never heard of them before this, was not familiar with them at all, and they were incredible, uh, fellow Canadians as well. And, you know, they have a very um, very Jeff Rosenstock-ish vibe, I guess, which I really, really liked. And uh, Screaming Females, who I also was, I was familiar with the name. Uh, I'd heard of them, but I never heard their music. And so my first experience with them was live, and they were incredible. Like, I would definitely see either one of these bands again, uh, not just opening for somebody else. I mean, like, if they came through by themselves or just any kind of show again with them on the bill, uh, I definitely want to go, you know, because they, they were really good. And uh, Pup, of course, live were just yeah, incredible. Like, <clears throat> I've watched... Uh, tons of live videos of them over the years and uh, you know they toured with Thursday in 2016 that was where I first heard about them that's how I got to downloading songs from them and whatever and um, so like I was like I've been wanting to see them live since then so now you know almost four years later finally got my wish and did not disappoint so anytime they're in Houston like anytime in the future they're in Houston Dallas or like anywhere close I'm definitely going to be going. But um, this record, I just, I love it so much. Like, almost more than Morbid Stuff. Like, it, it's so, uh, such a close second. But Morbid Stuff is just like, they just took this this other step forward that's just like, it's hard to explain, but like, they just, it's incredible. Like, the, 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 the jump from this album to the next was just so good. Like, I, I couldn't, I can't put this over it, but it's super close. Um, anyway, let me get on down to Variant Corner. Stop rambling here. <laughs> um, so, okay, there's a bunch of variants and a bunch of pressings. So, I'm going to just, like, blast through these real quick. So, first pressing, you got a, there's a red, there's clear with red splatter, there's red and yellow color in color, whatever that means, and a black and yellow color in color, which was a Smart Punk exclusive and a uh, A-side, B-side, where it's Bone and Ox Blood. That was a Wax Bodega exclusive. And those are limited to 2,000, 1,500, 500, 200, and 200, respectively. Uh, second pressing is 1,000 on pink. Third pressing is a cyan blue with green splatter, which is limited to 500. That's the one that I opted for. Uh, so, okay, so the rest of these... Uh, so let's see. The fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh pressings were all limited to a thousand. Uh, there's a fifth pressing, which was a half bronze, half sea blue, which is really that's actually really awesome looking. Uh, there's also a half bronze with half orange crush. Uh, sixth pressing, there's a smoke with blue and hot pink. It's hard to see the pink, but it, it, it's there. Uh, then there's black, and then the seventh pressing is a neon orange, and the eighth pressing was a Newberry Comics exclusive with a deep purple and blood red on limited to 500 uh and i'll be completely honest the reason i got this the one that i did uh the whole first pressing was already sold out by the time i heard about the band and by the time i got the record in my hands or whatever so the third pressing and the fourth pressing at the time were relatively new and this one was limited to 500 so i wanted to get the most limited one you know uh now a few of these they're they're, they're pretty hard to find for a good price, like the the black and yellow smart punk smart punk exclusive, which looks really cool, <clears throat> is uh, 
it's around 70 bucks, I guess. Uh, Newberry's exclusive pressing is around 45, but uh, it's pretty fucking sick. Like, I wish, honestly, kind of wish I would have got it when it when I saw it for you know 20 bucks or whatever. But I was like, I already I already got one. I don't want to get a same you know the same uh, record over and over. But then again, it looks really cool. I probably should have got it, but whatever. The uh, again, like I said, I got the blue the the one I got because it was the most limited and. At the time, it was the only one I could get straight from the retailer and not a reseller. And, uh, you know, anyways, let's get to the music, shall we? Uh, <laughs> I have written here, pup interview goes here and a bunch of uh, laughy faces because I was in talks with one of their PR people, I guess, about possibly interviewing them and getting a phone interview and that kind of stuff. And uh, they, I guess, politely declined, which is a little bit disheartening, but, you know. Shooting my shot, right? Uh, so anyway, track one. If this tour doesn't kill you, I will. Uh, this song is inspired by raised tensions resulting from the uh, 250 shows they played in 2014 that I mentioned earlier. The uh, members of the band have said in interviews that they're all on good terms, but that many days of sleeping on floors can cause people to snap. And despite its extreme lyrics, the dog, the song has an air of like of humor, kind of dark comedy, sarcasm, uh, you know, Stefan explained in an interview, um, contrary to what the lyrics might imply, it really seems to us like the ultimate celebration of friendship. Uh, dark humor, for sure, is a staple of pup songs, and it really shines through here. You know, uh, <laughs> there's a line where he sings, um, uh, you think you're so original, and in the background he's, he's saying, why can't we just get along? I can't wait for your funeral. Why can't we just get along? And then this part is just like, Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't wish you were dead. I wish you'd never been born at all. Uh, why can't everybody just chill? I'm trying not to let you get in my head, but every line, every goddamn syllable that you say makes me want to gouge out my eyes with a power, power drill. So, uh, <laughs> so the idea of never being born as opposed to just being dead is so bleak and so harsh. Like, if you die, at least you can be remembered, right? But then, like, you never existing, I feel like it's just so much worse. But uh, I get it. I mean, it's like working with the same people for a long time or hanging with friends, and eventually you can get sick of anybody. You know, like, it's not exclusive to, you know, this type of situation. Like, given my job, the way my job works is if I get on a, uh, a shift or whatever and I'm on, say, a shift for the whole year, I'm going to be with a shift the whole year, the same two or three people, for the entire year in a little room for 12 hours a day for the entire year every time I work. So, yeah, I totally understand how you can get sick of somebody <laughs> pretty quickly in a, in a workplace setting, you know. It's not like other jobs I've had where you go in and, you know, oh, this this week I'm working with so-and-so or this, this day this shift is on or this and that. Like, it's there's no change unless I switch shifts. So it's like it's – I totally get it. But – um. Yeah, it's, it's hard to maintain a friendship or a relationship with people when you're basically living with them. That's more the touring thing, you know. But uh, moving on to track two, DVP, which uh, stands for Don Valley Parkway. Uh, I think this was the first song I heard by them and it instantly had me hooked. I should say, too, uh, real quick. Um, oh, I already said this. Ah, whatever. They... Uh, uh, I was saying that, um, 
I was going to say here that they toured with Thursday. That's how I find out about them. But I figure, hey, if they're open for Thursday, they got to be good, right? So uh, anyway, DVP, uh, they talk about it uh, via uh, Junkie, some uh, thing. Because uh, sometimes things are really fucked up. And your girlfriend, your girlfriend wants nothing to do with you, so you have a few drinks, and then you call your girlfriend's sister and start whining about how life is unfair and stuff, but she doesn't give two shits about how you're feeling, okay? Don't expect any sympathy when it was you that fucked everything up in the first place. Besides, you're drunk. Go home. And oh, um, and by you, I mean me. <laughs> so, side note. Uh, again, like I said, DVP stands for the Don Valley Parkway. It's a highway that runs through Toronto that's always totally jammed up according to what they say there's no way to speed on the dvp it's just a whole bunch of traffic a whole bunch of frustrated losers sitting in traffic waiting for something to happen with their lives so it sounds familiar now there's a line in the song that i love and i relate to it so goddamn hard that sometimes it's scary and gives me chills every time and or tears when i hear it it's great so stefan sings uh yeah i'd be better off dead I don't give a shit. I just don't want to die, and I don't want to live. I said, and then goes into the uh, chorus or whatever. And <clears throat> uh, reminds me of the line I love so much in the song "Kids" off of Morbid Stuff, where he sings, "Yeah, I'm floating on the dark and empty sea of nothing. It doesn't feel bad. It feels like nothing at all." And uh, I like both, I guess, because they're 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 depressing in a way because they're they're so relatable too, I guess, and how I feel sometimes. And it, it's hard to describe that, I guess, but it's really tough to listen to those. And sometimes, you know, you kind of get in your, in your head a little too much with it, but great song. Uh, on to track three, Doubts. One of the catchiest hooks can be heard here on the record. Um, about the song, the band says, uh, this song is about not being able to let go of things and people. Uh, I have a lot of trouble with that. I have nagging doubts about myself, about my life, about my choices. You know, I second-guess myself constantly. Uh, most of the time, I'm a bundle of anxious, nervous energy. Uh, I'm constantly terrified that I have made or am making or will make a huge mistake and fuck everything up for myself, and I usually do. That fear can be crippling and affects me in a big way. This is sort of a recurring theme on this record. It's, some, it's something that seems to follow me around in life and worms its way into almost everything I write. Uh, but yeah, so the hook, he says... Uh, now that I've got nothing, you're having your doubts. Pack all of your bags and move them all out. Now that I've got nothing, you're having doubts. What am I supposed to do now? And uh, I'm telling you, man, like, you'll, you'll be singing that shit for days upon days after hearing it. Trust me. Like, it's so good. It's um, it, it's more upbeat, but still, like, it's a very serious song or whatever uh, that leads into the saddest song that I've ever heard in my life about an animal. Uh, so anyway, but before I get on, before I move on, this song, uh, Doubts, they actually performed it live when I saw them Saturday, and they explained before, they were like, yeah, we did the song in, in, in song in soundcheck or whatever, and it sounded good, but we actually haven't played it live in like four years, so we're going to try to play it tonight for you guys. I was like, holy shit, because that, that's one of my favorite songs on this record, so, you know, I felt pretty cool getting to actually, um, getting to see them play it live for the first time in so long, so that was pretty nice. But uh, Sleep in the Heat is uh, the next song, track four. And uh, the video actually features a fellow Canadian, Finn Wolfhard, who plays a young uh, Stefan in, in, the, in the video. Um, I think he's Canadian. I'm pretty sure he's Canadian. I, I wrote that, and I'm, 
at some point, I think I, I saw that, but I may be wrong. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but man, this song. So <clears throat> it's about a baby chameleon. Uh, her name is Norman. And uh, so here's uh, what they said about it. If you're a fan of the first record, you might have seen the the uh, Mabu, like M-A-B-U video, where I drive my family car in a demolition derby. We rented a bunch of reptiles for the video because reptiles are cool as shit. Uh, we had a snake and some turtles and some goldfish, and we also got a baby chameleon. The day was really emotional for me. After the derby, we had a funeral for my mangled car. It says to watch the video and you'll understand. While I was saying goodbye, my heart was breaking and I was holding this little chameleon. I looked down and she was just staring up at me with these huge, adorable eyes, and I loved her right away. She was filling the car-sized hole in my heart. <laughs> I named her Norman and took her home that night. Norman was the best. She hunted crickets and hung out in this cool terrarium, uh, terrarium me and my roommates built for her, and she was super friendly. But one day, she got really sick. I took her to a special reptile hospital where they told me she had a tongue infection and would need to have it amputated. The procedure was going to cost $1,000, pretty much every dollar in my bank account, but money didn't matter. I loved Norman, and she was my responsibility. And after the surgery, Norman, she was different. Uh, chameleons rely on their tongues to eat and drink and hunt. So for weeks, my roommates and I tried to teach her to do those things without a tongue, and she just couldn't figure it out. Uh, she got frustrated, and at a certain point, she stopped trying. She wouldn't eat. She slept all day. She slowly lost her will to live, and that was the end of it. I miss Norman a lot. I think about her every day. I really, really liked her, and I hope she really liked me too. Fuck, man. So, <clears throat> so in the video, too, which it makes it way worse because, you know, I own a dog and everything. The uh, A dog replaces the lizard in the video, and it's just fucking heartbreaking, man. Like, so the end of, in the, the, end of the song, he says, uh, and nothing I say will make it okay. You just sleep in the heat and repeat. You're wasting away. Nothing I do is going to save you. I'm, d I'm trying my best, but you can't even look at me or talk to me or tell me what's happening to you. And uh, yesterday I went back to my apartment to see how you'd been holding up. You hadn't been eating. I thought you were sleeping, but you're not waking up. And I want you to know that I'd spend every bit of my pitiful savings and loans just to see you again. But I know that I won't. You know, that feeling of... Uh, I guess helplessness and just sorrow, like it's so heavy. Like it's a just re again the saddest song that I, I think that I've ever heard of, uh, concerning an animal. Like it's ridiculous. But um, uh, moving on, the coast, uh, a little more upbeat. Haha, <laughs> not really. Uh, it's a <laughs> it's based off of an old Inuit story called "A Promise Is a Promise" about a girl who gets grabbed through a frozen lake by monsters called. Ooh, uh, I don't know. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. But who forced her to live with them for the rest of her life. Uh, the story was told to Inuit children uh, to teach them to be wary of thin ice. Uh, Stefan's parents read it to him when he was five, and he was pretty much traumatized by it. So he says, uh, when I was a little kid, my parents used to read me the story. And uh, he said, yeah, these crazy, horrible monster people who live in the sea reach up and... Uh, through the cracks in the ice and pull her down, and uh, she has to live with them for all of eternity. He says, like, why the hell would any parent read that to their five-year-old kid? It's fucking terrifying. Word. Um, never knew that until I researched uh, this album, but shit, man. This whole album is, like, super dark, but pretty much from start to finish. Like, it's there's a lot going on here. But um, 
Old Wounds is up next. Uh, seems, to, seems to be about Stefan trying to work through the frustration of getting over a former girlfriend, I think. Uh, and the end of the song, he sings, You know, I've never been good at anything except for fucking up and ruining everything. And I'm sick of it. It's so fucking frustrating. You keep trying to rip open old wounds. It's so embarrassing. Don't you know I'm over you? Feel you, dog. Uh, again, just like the whole album, he sings with such conviction and passion here. Like it's just like every song, really. It's hard not to feel it and relate to him, or at least to empathize with him, you know. Um, so yeah, so track seven, my life is over, and I couldn't be happier. Uh, he says, I used to date this girl <laughs> when I was around twenty years old, and one day I was going to the bar with my pals, and she asked if she could just crash at my place after she finished work. So I gave her an extra key, went out with the guys, and immediately forgot she was going to be crashing at my place. He says, that night I got absolutely obliterated. I stumbled home drunk, and like any shit-hammered 20-year-old dude, I'm thinking in my brain, like, hell yeah, I'm going to jerk off when I get home, and it's going to be rad. So I get home, super drunk, it's super dark, get down to business. Midway through, I hear a voice right behind me, like, ew, you piece of shit. I was so surprised, I'd totally forgotten she was crashing at my place. I hadn't seen her when I came in. Oh, buddy, that was embarrassing. Anyways, that was the last time I ever saw her. Uh, would have never guessed this was the story behind the song. Uh, can't relate, but still, he makes it easy to empathize with him and to put yourself in his shoes. Uh, what a shitty way to end the relationship, man. I, I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine. But um, at that point, like, just change your name and like move out of the city or some shit. Like, don't even. That's crazy. But so, can't win is up next. Uh, according to Stefan, uh, whose name up to this point in my notes I've been spelling wrong. Uh, fun little behind the scenes there. He says, I uh, came from a, a pretty anxious uh, place, you know, feeling like I could have done more with my life. Uh, I think a lot of people in their mid-20s feel this way. We do. or I did. And I'm in my mid-30s. and uh, I can't say anything. I feel great. My mid-30s are going wonderful. But uh, mid-20s were kind of like yeah, weird. So... You have all these expectations of what you're going to do when you're grown up. And although I can't really complain, you know, my life's pretty sweet. Uh, I still have days when I wake up in a van in a Walmart parking lot with a bunch of dudes and think, Jesus, I'm 27 years old. What the hell am I doing here? So in the chorus, he sings, and it feels like I can't win. I'm growing up and I'm giving in and it's starting to hurt. And it feels like I can't win. I couldn't wait to be alone again. And I'm getting worse. And really, who can't relate to that? Uh, also, I just want to be. I just want to be something. Never thought I'd be nothing at all. That just really hits you in the heart there, you know. Uh, I mean, th- this has been a, a pretty rough album to get through. Uh, like a lot I've done on this show, you know, it means a lot to me. But this album's up here, like really high, like one of my top albums, like top twenty albums of all time. Like it's a tier one for sure. Uh, but anyways. So track nine, almost to the end. <laughs> uh, my other favorite, Familiar pa- Patterns. Uh, Stefan has said that it's a song, it's a kind of the uh, logical, lyrical co- uh, continuation of Can't Win. Uh, a lot of this record is about the feeling of disillusionment and coping with that feeling and doing more than living with it, but embracing it. And he opens the song with, uh, this business ain't for the faint of heart. Well, I fell for the bullshit and then I started falling apart. And by the end of the summer, I let it get the best of me. What a goddamn bummer. What a waste of my energy. 
yeah so anyway that's um that whole opening line like seeing them live in that part like i was waiting for that shit like i was just ready to fucking nail it and i did but i just i love the opening of the song i love it and uh so he sings in uh, verse two he says uh following familiar patterns i'm falling back into ruin uh you know he explained how this line addressed the main conflict on the album for a uh, faster louder or some uh place uh he said, this line really sums up the last few years and maybe my whole life. I always thought that if I could just be in a touring band, I'd be I'd be a happy person. And yeah, I love what I do, but I've realized that doing something you love doesn't really change the kind of person you are. If you're unhappy or anxious, it doesn't fix the problem. It just distracts you from it for a bit. So yeah, it makes sense, you know? But such a great song. Another one, too, that'll get stuck in your fucking head, like, for days upon days after hearing it. Uh, you know... Like I said, I I've, I've, I could sing that opening verse in my goddamn sleep. Uh, what's um uh, What's funny too is like so for the longest time for like at least I don't know probably a year I never looked at my phone while it was playing. So like there's a big like breakdown like shift in sound at the very end of the song, and for some reason I always thought that was a separate track that then led into the last song in the record, but it's, it's the same song. It just, like, switches up or whatever. Uh, so that's always fun. But um, anyway, let's end on a depressing-ass note. Pine Point, track 10, the closer for the record. Uh, so Pup discussed the song a little uh, with a junkie. So Pine Point used to be a town in the Northwest Territories in Canada. On the first record, there's a song called Yukon, which is about a camping trip that I took in that area with my sister. On the way home from that trip, we passed a hand-painted sign in the middle of nowhere that said, Welcome to Pine Point. Uh, There were no buildings or people. There was nothing. The only thing left of Pine Point was a little graveyard in the middle of the huge expanse of wilderness. So the idea of Pine Point blows my mind. There's nothing at all where this town used to be. The school, the church, the hockey arena, they were all hauled away or demolished. Every trace of Pine Point has been erased. Now, imagine growing up in a town that doesn't exist anymore. It would be like you had no past at all. Again, super bleak. And that's how the record ends. So, uh, you know, like I've said before, just an incredible record. Incredible album from start to finish. A wonderful band. Uh, Cannot wait to see what they do for album four. Um... I would give this a thousand out of five, ten thousand. Ten thousand out of five, who cares? On the arbitrary rate meter. But um I have written here that it may have jumped morbid stuff as my favorite album, but that's not true. Uh morbid stuff is still my favorite. But um I, I mean it, it's pick it up, you know. Like if you somehow and I I know people that haven't heard of them, I know people that haven't listened to them. If you're one of those people and you're listening to this, you know, all five of you, go get the record. Trust me, you will not be disappointed and listen to everything you can find by them because everything's great. So, uh, as always, which nobody does anyway, but I'm going to keep on plugging away at it. Uh, be sure to rate and review on iTunes. Uh, you know, it really helps to get the show out to more people. Uh, I've been stuck at nine reviews for probably like eight months now, so... It'd be cool to get to 10, just to make it a nice, even number. Um, you know, or subscribe and, you know, um, do um, anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You know, I'm everywhere. So, um, 
Thank you so much for listening, as always. Um, follow me on social media as well. Links will be in the description. And as always, I am Jeremy Levine, and this has been The Vinyl Countdown. And I hope to be in your ears next week, everybody. Take care.